Welcome to the Football Podcast with Gadgies Paul O'Neill and me, Paul Larkin. We have the odd guest, and sometimes we even let Doogie Walt on. Hope you enjoy the crack. You and I in a little toy shop Buy a bag of balloons with the money we've got Set them free at the break of dawn To one by one they were gone Back at base, box in the software Flash the message, something's out there Floating in the summer sky Yes, that was Nina, 99, Red Balloons. We know one, his name is Doogie Watt. And he's not on this week because he's cowering in shame. Okay, so it's a big show. It's a cup show. So this means we, you can all relax. You can all just pipe down for a second. He's here. It is the Peter Sutcliffe lookalike of the last 15 years in a row champion, Mr. Paul O'Neill. Hello, how are you? Um, you threatened to shave this beard off earlier in the day. It's not happened. You've got the only beard on the face of the planet that's no grey whilst your head, what remains of it, is. Please explain. I have plenty of grey hairs on my beard. I'll send you photos of it. Oh, I beg your pardon. <laughs> uh, 
you've got the worst fucking comb over since Nobby Styles. Okay. What's going on? Is it a midlife crisis or have you just given up? I think I've given up. So you, because I mean, I'm telling you right now, you're probably too young to remember the fallen rise of the original Perrin, but if, I would advise you to watch that because this is what basically happened to him. You know, he was kind of trapped in suburbia and his, an office job and all that garbage, and he basically just snapped, cracked up, but he's sheer guilt, he'd done absolutely nothing for years and getting paid to it. Okay. Okay, so as we say, it's a cut special, we've got tons to get through, and uh, unfortunately, we're a wee bit. Hamstrung because he Premier Sports' shocking coverage of the League Cup, which, to my knowledge, Paul, and you might correct me here, didn't show any highlights. No, I haven't seen any. Like, no. I feel really un- unprepared for right. this, and I feel a bit bad. Like, so, but... thankfully, you know, a lot of the games went to penalties, and we can sort of brush over them. But the first one yesterday was here, uh, one done United one, uh, done United one on penalties, um, which is one in the eye for you because you said you didn't fancy them. I did. I thought they might struggle, but they did. Apart, um, David Hopkins was raging. I seen his uh, after-match comments saying the penalty Nicky Clark got was an absolute joke that killed the game. So that was what ten minutes to go in normal time, and I think he got a man sent off as well. So they don't. They don't well to get to penalties to be for that point. I think. I mean, a bad reaction um, for Dun United after last week. Um, mm. You know, you think you've got a whole week to prepare, etc. But um, you know, obviously, you're making a good fist there. Um, Oh, the fans! Did you see all the fans on the park? Like, there was a pitch there, British. It was like, like Aberdeen times ten last week. They were like, "Oh, metal." Or oh, Dundee fans. Aye. <laughs> to be honest, I didn't blame them. You know, it's. Um... No, no, no. It's, it's like there's a, a precedent set now that like a, a second round league cup when there's a worth. Well, I guess all the worth going on the pitch again. I think it. You know, it's probably a discussion for another pod, but I don't think it's that. I think it is. Folk are sick to death of the rules, yeah. in society and the. You know, I, I've said it on many occasions, whether it's um, climate change or gun control, or the young team just are not having it. And, mm. and, and, you know, we saw the remnants of that Old Trafford last season. You know, mm-hmm. the Glazers, no, it's like, fuck you, we're not having this. So I will not excuse that. Uh, sorry, I will. I will? I will. Um, Dundee won Murrowell nil. sounded absolutely fucking dreadful. Uh, Ashcroft getting a late goal, he put Dundee through. Mm-hmm. Um, That's about I, I don't really know. I don't really know much about the game. To be exactly. Honest, the game, but, Absolute garbage. Uh, don't know anything. Thanks, Premier Sports. Say twelve ninety nine a month for that shit. Uh, Livingston won. St Mirren won. Uh, Livingston won on penalties. I, again, I, I watched this through a an app on uh, my phone, like a score app. So you watch mm-hmm. the penalties basically. Didn't didn't see anything. Um, did fancy it for a draw uh, previous to that, but um, sounded tight. Um, what else? Can I, I say I, I, no, no. I think Stryek, the goalie, was. Uh, did he say three? I think mm. the penalties. Mm. Uh, so obviously he he ch- uh, chucked the goal in against Aberdeen last week. So it's a bit of redemption for him, putting them through to yeah. the next round. But and we'll congratulate Pod listener stroke Twitter follower David Martindale. Who come on, David? We need <laughs> more. Bananas to replace Brian Rice. Okay, so that was the three yesterday. Pretty, really, just disappointing to have no fucking coverage whatsoever. You know, I mean, know. you're scouring for especially when it's a TV company. It's a TV company sponsoring the tournament. To not even mm. have highlights is mm. pathetic. Absolutely bizarre. Aye. Okay, uh, the first big game of the day was Red Rovers two Aberdeen one. Now Aberdeen made a lot of changes, Paul. He did. Aye. Obviously, they played in Europe midweek, and I think Glass maybe thought he had a squad good enough to help him coast through the game. And I did watch this one, I was on the other day. Um, and for the first half, it looked justified. Aberdeen were miles the better team, comfortable in control. They, what I'd say was they had loads of possession, but they, they never made tons of clear cut chances. It's not like no. McDonald was making no. save after save, although Rob McLean would have you think they were some kind of vintage Brazil team. Was really fucking annoyed. I've only seen the first half, obviously, but the commentary. Of Rob McLean, who like puts himself up as a Ross County fan. Every cunt knows he's an Aberdeen fan. I actually years ago, and I don't know if Doogie will have seen this, but he, the Aberdeen put some documentary when they won the Cup Winners' Cup, and it was Rob McLean that done it. And honestly, God, it would be like just pulling in Doogie Watt to get commentated on. It was it was <laughs> gone absolutely bananas. And then Cregan, who thinks every fucking football match is a horse race, and thinks every time somebody speaks to him, it's an attack on him. 
<laughs> rather than just I, bad. I don't understand, understand as well that like this banter they've got, like calling them Craigs all the time and stuff. Like, you didn't mm. call, call commentators by your nicknames, you know what I mean? But I didn't think you should. Let me tell you something, or sorry, let me say something about pundits. See, when a pundit speaks about something, I want him to say, here's my experience of this situation. I didn't want some fucking halfwit that played for Mark Motherwell and Partick standing the next to the likes of Chris Sutton, who played Champions League football and won leagues. Michael Stewart, who played for Man United, albeit briefly. You know, for fuck's sake. Well, you know, can you imagine, like, I mean, that's the equivalent of fucking... I mean, I know Sky have a fucking Chris Camaro one who's a fucking... Who's, you know, who's just, you know, an asshole, basically. But when you're talking match of the day, you're talking Lineker, Shearer, Ian Wright, guys who have been there and done it. You know, we want to promote this fucking game so it doesn't help with Premier Sports wankers full stop and employing wankers like fucking him. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, that's like... Getting Benny Hill to talk about comedy, you know? And they had, they had Russell Anderson in, as a uh, oh, half-time Russell Cadger. Right. Oh, it's like a boy's in a human, a human sleeping tablet. He was just so <laughs> dry and slow, man. It's, uh, it's one of the things where they think, oh, we'll get him in. He used to play for Aberdeen Kent, so that's the thing. Well, what, what, what about we get somebody who used to play for the Rovers then? I know, exactly. You know, it's just the dismissive. And it was the... I'll tell you right now, See this drooping players and all that shit like that to that extent. It's only ever one, worked once in the history of Scottish football. Once. And it was a game that I think you were at. And it was at, in the year 2000. It was Hearts 2, Celtic 5 in the League Cup quarterfinal. And Celtic mm. played Craney and Jamie Smith and Colin Healy and all the rest of it. I always remember the game on a complete tangent because Thomas Flogel and Gary Locke managed to knock both each other out going for a ball and had to both be <laughs> substituted. Um, and Celtic went, went, went. It's the only time it's ever worked. Every other time you get fucked. We went down to Anfield, two thousand and three. Played Liverpool off the park. Who won the fucking Champions League two years later, and then went up to Inverness the following Sunday. Dropped five players and got knocked to the cup. Yeah. Well, it's 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 a massive gamble for Glass because early doors and it's momentous chance to get into the quarterfinals and stuff. And I know he's got to rotate his squad, but mm. if they played it, they could have played a full team. Go two up, for instance, and then made a couple of subs. You can make five subs. Mm-hmm. So you could you could have. Listen, and we'll come on to it, but if Celtic are playing as almost a full-strength team, then fucking Aberdeen should be playing a full-strength team. Especially when they're not going to win the league, right? You know that. So, why you know win a fucking cup? Um, so, i really disappointed, but seeing the first half, where obviously Rafe stormed the second half, what were your thoughts? I, they came out and they scored, I think it was only two or three minutes after half-time, mm-hmm. um, they got equaliser and after that it's a different game like Wraith had the, the bit between their teeth and they, they really looked like the team that were like they never had much quality but they were harrying and, and pressing high up the park and mm. stuff and I thought Christoph Berra was excellent for him because they just let him do what Berra likes to do which is sit and heed the ball away and mm. not get involved in foot races or drag the position Aye, it's, uh, it's one of the things I'll never to the day I die understand when a team and I'm assuming this is what you're talking about starts launching a ball to score a goal into the box mm-hmm. that's what a defender wants you to do Aye. you know that's why fucking they kick the ball out you know to, to defend a set play rather than defend balls on the deck it's mm-hmm. mental um, Varian and Zanata uh, scored Aye. the goals obviously Aberdeen scored first the Jets scored and I don't know it was a decent strike but he, he's fucking rubbish is he no? I think he's alright like he's, oh. he's still really languid but I think his goal was an absolute beauty. Mm. Although Zanata's goal, the winner, was a great finish, but it was a terrible bit of defending for but is it Gurr, Jack Gurr, I think. Right. Aberdeen, uh, right back, he just styled on the ball in the box and you can't, can't do that at all. You've got to be just, sure you've got the time. Um, obviously, John McGlynn, manager, etc. Just a wee bit on the crowd. I, I was really disappointed with the amount of people that were there. Aberdeen, fair enough, but Rafe Rovers came out behind closed doors no. for a year and they're playing Aberdeen at home on a fucking Sunday in the cup on the telly and you just sit in the house. I know, I, I didn't understand that being there as well. There was only, I think there was only like just over 3,000 at the game full stop, and probably mm. a good, what, 1,000, 1,500 were Aberdeen fans? Aye. I mean, I didn't blame Aberdeen for the full end, you know, but, um, but... As you say, for a team that haven't been... Like, they had a pretty good season last season, nobody could see it, and it's a big cup game, to a chance to get into the quarters, you'd think it would be a almost sell-out for their end. Like, I know that's few and far between, but you think if, if you can't sell tickets for a game like this, when, when are you? Um, <clears> was Val McDermott there? 
never seen him in a show. Would you ever consider sponsoring your team with your name on it? <laughs> no, if I was rich enough, maybe, but I wouldn't want my name across the street. No, no, I would have, fuck, you know what I mean? I wouldn't give, I mean, and, and I'm, you know, I promote myself quite a lot in terms of the work I do, because that's, you know, I remember, and it's a fucking aspect I hate, but somebody's, a, a PR guru in brackets said to me about 10 years ago, no, no, Ken, what's happening now is you're the brand, you need to be the brand. It's horrific, that, but I just, I found it really fucking bizarre. Um, did you not go out on a date with her once, no? <laughs> something different, no. No, no, some, some, somebody, somebody else that looked like her. Right, okay. Um, Hibs 2, Kilmarnock nil again. Very little uh, information McGuinness in this, but like, I would assume it was pretty comfortable for Hibs and they probably needed that after the week, last week, which will come ah, yeah, I think so. Um, I, I was kind of keeping up to date with Twitter updates here and I think Kilmarnock had a couple of chances in the first half. Mm. I think uh, Robinson had a good chance that Macy saved and uh, they hit the bar as well. Mm-hmm. But I think once Hibs take the lead in a game like that, I think Kelly are going to yeah. be marching to get back into um, it, to be honest. Don't worry, you'll get the chance to stick the boot into Hibs uh, later. Um, and I, I a cracker up at uh, Gayfield, Arbroath 2, St Johnston 2. St Johnston went on penalties despite the fact that Josh Kerr missed about 30 on the day. <laughs> I, uh, I was quite surprised at that. I thought, like, I know St Johnston had a big game midweek mm. and stuff, but I don't think they made tons of changes. And they brought a couple in, but then like, the guys that brought it back in, like Sean Rooney and stuff, so yeah. guys that play anyway. And obviously, uh, they done well to avoid that because you didn't want to go uh, to our broth if you're in the first defence of your cup, you know what I mean? Can I just but, say that I'm not a fan of weekend cup ties in the League Cup like this? No, no, can you, can you imagine that game, for example, our Ross and Johnson under the lights midweek? You know, well, it's what the League f- Cup always was, wasn't it? Like, Quite a big um, shock of travelling down the air on a Tuesday night and getting beaten being raging. It's, aye, well, <laughs> it's and, a bit... and another thing is we've played two league games and we're fucking having a break already. You know what no. I mean? Bizarre. Okay. Uh, Celtic 3, Hearts 2. Now, for anybody who had never watched that game and they might think it was close, uh, albeit a wee bit some bad Celtic defending, I mean, first half, I've got to say, it's sensational as I've seen to a Celtic team in years. Aye, Celtic were excellent, but I'll obviously look at it from a different point of view than Hearts were. You don't give us any credit whatsoever before you start. Celtic, Celtic were excellent, but if you sit, from our point of view, if you sit back that deep and didn't even try to have an outball, it's just going to come back home wave after wave. Like, Boyce was picking it up 30 yards for his and goal and stuff, and he was our further furthest forward player. And I was just really, really annoyed at our setup. Celtic were excellent, and if it wasn't for Gordon, it could have been, mm. it could have been four or well, five and a half time. You know, because we're watching the game, I had a quick look at the stats. 34 attempts for Celtic, so that shows you how good Gordon was. Um, 77% possession and 14 corners to Hertz 1. Um, and I have to say, Kyogo, I mean, we've got a superstar in the making here, we know. He's he's very impressive, like, he's quick. He's a, His anticipation, there was one in the first half where I think it was Turnbull had a shot and it hit into the deck. Yeah. And... Kyogo chased it in mm-hmm. but as soon like, it, it was really impressive when it shows you back because as soon as Turnbull's lining the shot up he's turned mm-hmm. and has run full belt because he knows that there's a, that's just a great instinct to know that it could come right into that area you know, right. he didn't finish it obviously but I, mean, was, I mean it's a football brain is, is incredible and that's something we've not seen at Celtic Park for a while um, first goal was a good goal um, great ball for Kyogo to Forrest and then slotted it back for Edward presence of mind I thought Forrest took a bad first touch the second time Reeve do it um, and it was a good team goal um, and, let, and let's face it it was coming um, that was that's, that's what annoyed me though, like it was so obvious and we we never tweaked anything we just kept mm. kept the same even when we went one down the first, the first goal was really well worked for your point of view like for, great cutback for Forrest but I've seen somebody say on Twitter and it's so true it's like how's a team as deep as hearts with 10 men behind the ball in their own box and lose a goal to a counter attack like fucking well I but I think that's been due to the ball for Kyogo because it's, ah. you know, it's a hard ball to play um, and we'll come on to the Hertz changing it and all that soon because there's something I want to pick up for Robin Nielsen's interview but second goal Welsh uh, good presence of mind for Hugh to take a quick corner um, to get the ball in and also for Edward to suss it out because it, I think it gave Hertz a wee bit of fuck's sake the two, there's two strikers standing out there mm-hmm. the day and they rushed to the ball leaving the space for Welsh it's it's really well worked and it's quick like when you take it quick and it comes off it always looks really good 
But again, the centre half in the box, we've got three we've got three centre halves in there and we leave a centre half pretty much unmarked. Mm-hmm. Halkett got close to him at the end, but Welsh had a run on him. And Welsh had actually came close with a, I think for a corner no too far before that as well, he's got to flip one back. Mm-hmm. So you should be, you should be picking him up. It's a good it's a good well really well worked goal for Celtic's point of view. Right. But again, another one that was coming and to lose a second so quick after the first for us was a killer. I mean, it was it was scintillating stuff for Celtic. I mean, it just you're right. It was wave after wave. After, you know, I thought um, Rogic had a fantastic game. Um, the, the, his ability to find wee tiny bits of space with his feet um, is crucial for teams like Celtic if they're playing against packed defences. You know, but second half, Hertz brought on Janelli, made a difference, um, get a penalty. This is a clear penalty. Starfield sleeping, doesn't realise Boyce is coming, and by the time he does, he's past him. Boyce uses his experience, because and I say that because I think a, 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 a maybe a less experienced player would have ran and tried to shoot. Boyce didn't do that. He kept his body in front of the ball and then made sure that Starfield made the challenge. Scores a goal. Um, hits up a wee flurry after that, um, and then probably are killed by Kyogo's goal. Which I heard the radio blaming Gordon for. That. I I can't blame Craig Gordon for that. I'm not. I'm not blaming him at all because. It's hit really hard Aye. for a close distance, but he gets a hand to it and knocks it in. It was actually gone wide, I think. True, but what, do you, what does he do? No, try and no, save no, it. I'm, not, I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying he's unfortunate, I think. And even if he had fucking turned around and void and he's in net after the saves he'd done to keep us in the game, I'm not blaming Gordon for anything, to be honest. No, uh, no. Janelle, Janelle did make a difference. Um, like Celtic still, were still creating loads of chances, but at least gave us an outball, which we completely lacked in the first half. So we started to at least get 15 yards higher up the park and it made a difference. Well, I think he exposed Taylor's lack of pace and it's something I think Celtic will try and address because with the way they play now, they need full-backs of pace and he's not got it as simple as that. Um, it's funny because I think Janelli really made up for Gary Mackay Stephen, who I thought was anonymous. You know, Aye, it's um, cool, but again, I, I don't know how much of that is... Like he's, he's got to do better, but I don't even know what position he was playing today. He wasn't out wide. He wasn't really in a 10. A lot of the time he was further forward than Boyd, which isn't his, his area. And I think we, we were that deep and we were chasing shadows for the whole 45 minutes. I think we were fucking knackered early doors as well. Well, that's something I've got to bring up with you. Hertz are kind of lacking in numbers, aren't they? Aye, I think 1-11 to 11 were an alright team. Um, uh, but beyond that, the depth is worrying. Like Nand really was uh, with a family issue today mm-hmm. and we basically had no strikers on the bench because yeah. of that. You've got to have more depth. Mm-hmm. Walker's a, a decent sub to bring on um, but he's not really hit the ground running this season with a few knocks and stuff so when you look to the bench to change it it was like we only named seven subs today and you're allowed nine so I don't know if that's like due to injuries and a lack of so we've got to get a couple of more bodies indefinitely um, there's an Australian boy that we're signing apparently he's in quarantine so see how he does in a midfielder I think middle of the park as well as we've not got many options they're all defensive players mm-hmm um, McInef came on and done alright added a wee bit of energy I, say, I said at the start of the game to my wife that I said this is going to be a good indication of where Celtic are in, in terms of playing Sevco because Hertz you know Celtic played three football players in the middle of the park and Hertz played three let's face it hammer throwers and <laughs> they were completely overrun you know by them they couldn't get near the piece of the play um, I think once we changed it in the second half and it was just Beningame and uh, Haran in there. Like we, we got a bit more of a grip. Beningame got back and made some good tackles and stuff. But they're all similar types of player. But I'm, see, so, I'm never sure about that because the game's lost at that point. But and it's, it's easy to play. Oh, well, but it's easy. But how long did that last? Four minutes or something sure. like that. It's easy to play when you're getting beat two now. You know what I mean? Where yeah. are you when you're getting overrun? Now, I want to pick up Robbie Nielsen's comments because my jaw hit the floor after the game and he said on the radio that Hertz deserved to take that to extra time and played really well um, I think the guy I mean I know you didn't like him but the guy is a complete and utter bluffer you brought it up time and again last time and again last season with a cha- with a, a championship and all that kind of thing it was put to him that the reason why Hertz were overrun wasn't helped by his tactics in the first half which he completely dismissed and blamed the players Um I just couldn't, you know, I could, you know, I've always thought that managers when they cling on to fucking things like, well, you know, we scored the goal at the end and all that kind of stuff, like, geez, a fucking break. Sometimes you've got to put your hands up and say, well, we're just fucking beaten by a better team, but unfortunately, he seems to be incapable of accepting any responsibility for his decisions. Yeah, I 
Uh, well, even I never heard his interview to be honest, but that's bizarre for me because even even if he was what he sort of back his in tactics, if we could see him made changes at half time and got us back into it or whatever, but I don't know how we can watch that first half and think that went to plan. Well, like we had no out ball, we were we had three defence midfielders, so nobody wanted to put their foot in the ball really, and we just kept inviting pressure after pressure, and it was so fucking obvious. It was almost the same tactics we had in the cup final against you in the first half, and then they changed it and we go back into the game a bit. Well, but that. The thing for me it's is, right, if his tactics were to contain Celtic, I just think, did he watch the last three Celtic games? Can I mean, everybody could see that clearly Celtic are still fragile defensively, and that, but middle to front are really, really good. So why on earth would you not try and exploit the weakness instead of concentrating on where they're good? I think, I think like, Janelle has, as I said, it, it changed the game a bit from our point of view because it gave us something to aim for. Like, I'm not claiming we were the better team in the second half or whatever because we still gave away loads of chances, but at least we caused the odd chance on the turn and stuff. Like, generally got in behind at one point and, and we never started with anything like that. You've, you've got to have some kind of outball, otherwise you're just asking for Boyce and Mackay Stephen to play a game that isn't there. It's, it's bizarre. The tactics were horrible and as soon as I seen the lineup, I didn't like it. And it just feels like we're gone. Like every time we go through to Glasgow, it seems that we're fucking. It's defensive, and we'll hope to hang on to a certain point before we then well, try and change it. But that when does that ever work? It's, we go there and do that every time. And the thing about was, the thing about that was Nielsen ne- mentioned the word Glasgow about four times in his interview, and I thought, what what is wrong with you? Like, what you're not playing against Glasgow? You know, <laughs> it's it's horses for courses. Like you didn't. You know, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be happy if I was a Hertz fan listening to him because, uh, to me, he, he's, he's becoming like Craig Levine. He's almost kind of, I know more than you type thing, you know. And we had to put up with that for years with Gordon Stratton. We'll come on to later where it was like, I'll speak to the coaches because you didn't understand what the fuck I'm talking about, you know. Um, and I just thought that, I mean, didn't get me wrong, I don't think any tactics would have helped Hertz get through, but... You know, sometimes you've got to just give a wee bit of credit and say, look, we're completely fucking battered in the first half and, you know, we changed it and we got a wee bit into the game, but ultimately we didn't, but I just think he's a tadger. Anyway. We've got got a chance to get a good result next week because we've got Aberdeen at Tynecastle and that, if we win that, it'll give give him a bit more time, but... I know, bit time. He's not under pressure. That comment just came from Navia, so you've just dismissed Aberdeen. No, I said if we if we were to beat them, you say, I'm just saying. Wait, wait, you just said yeah, we've got a chance to get a good result next week. You say that when you're playing fucking, I don't know, Inverness fucking cherry pickers at home or something. <laughs> I mean, in terms of like, it's a big game from to go to. If he wins, it buys him some favour with the fans because yeah. they're definitely somewhat happy with him. But, but he's not gone anywhere. He's not under pressure it's, at this point. Um, the O'Neill Watt Derby is what it is. And I believe Doogie Watt is coming back next week, he said. Although, can you ever believe anything he says? I don't know. Um, I don't know if he's um, working or whatever, if he's gone to the game or whatever. But he did say he'd be back on, so we'll have plenty around that. So, midweek, Europe. Aberdeen and Celtic coasted through. Let's mm-hmm. face it. Sefco 1, Malmo 2. Did you watch this game? I did, aye. What were um, your thoughts? i never seen any. I thought... First half hour, uh, uh, Rangers started pretty well. They they got the early goal, and I thought they'd probably go on and win because they had this big atmosphere and stuff. I thought, but then they, they went to bits. Like when uh, Malmo got the red card, it was never a red card. If anything, Goldson should have been booked yeah, in my opinion. Seen that, huh? um, I, I think they thought it would just be a walkover for that point, and like Malmo just got it spot on. They just tightened up and then tried to hit on the counter. Mm. Two really good finishes from Malmo. And I think they could have played all night and and no got a, another goal. So Malmo feel they deserve to go through. And I, I don't know. It's weird to see them start a game so well to then just crumble to, to the level they did. Mm-hmm. Well, aye, and it's uh, something we'll come on to later. But it's again an accusation: the fans are back, bottles gone. You know, mm-hmm. um, I only seen the Malmo second goal, which is a good goal, but yeah. Um, I don't think having 10 men uh, against 11 is that much of an advantage as it used to be because of the fitness levels of players, you know, are exceptional. Um, but a massive blow for them and something we'll come on to at the end of the show. I, I, agree with you. I agree with you about the 10 men thing, but 
that's more in terms I'd say in terms of breaking them down because they're so ugly. They shouldn't be losing two goals to a team with, no, with ten men. No. And the uh, the moment you've been waiting for, uh, Rijeka four, Hibs one. Um, I saw good squad of the highlights of this. Uh, real, real disappointing for Hibs. Yeah, it was like I watched. I was kind of flicking between that and the St Johnston game, and Hibs had chances. Like they were. The red card that McGregor got came at completely the wrong time for them. Mm-hmm. It was um, one all, and the Hibs were having having a really good spell, and then McGregor make, makes a daft decision, and I think it is a red card. And then it just completely collapsed after that. Mm-hmm. It's like those two goals, quick fire, and then it looked, then it also didn't look like the heat got to them, and they were struggling with the the ten men and stuff. They were comfortably beaten in the end, uh, and I, I'd said to you before, like. Hibs have a real issue with cross balls into the box, mm-hmm. and they lost goals for it the other night. It was, it was they were all shockers in my opinion. The McGinn one as well, which is on goal, is just amateur stuff. Ah, it was. I did see that. It was terrible. Um, and you, you know, I didn't like to mention them, but uh, we've got to mention the Tory farmers. Uh, one of them <laughs> contacted us this week, and his name is Lenny, um, talking about his farm and his Conservative Party membership. Um, they go. Uh, James, that's that's my mate, James. Uh, He'll not be happy at that, so... Well, I mean, if he's what he put up there, that's fine. Um, but they got slaughtered, right? <laughs> well, the first half was... Um, one all going at half-time, and they, they were well in the game. Galatas held a bit of a, a rabble at the back. Like that, the goalie they had was shocking. He was over the place. But, for my money, I think Davidson got his tactics wrong in the second half. He tried to sit really, really deep and maybe try and hit them in the counter. Uh, whereas I thought they would have got more change having a bit of go at them because I think they looked ropey at the back. Plus, like, they had a full house in that behind them, so I think it would have given them a bit of lift. But, aye, Galatasaray just showed that, that step up in quality, mm. a few chances, and then they just clinical in the, the fourth goal. Was, was Keystone Cops defending for St Johnston, and then they pulled one back right at the end, but I think. You just. Um... <laughs> What we were talking about last week with cliches, um, I've got to ask you, did the Keystone Cops ever have a football team? <laughs> I <can't. laughs> I've, never, I've never seen them defend anything, you know? <laughs> uh, okay, nah. And also, I was I was disappointed actually, St. John's, because, you know, after last season, and, uh, you know, it would have been amazing for them to, to, to push on, but they, they, well, they, they drop down, don't they, to the Europa Conference? Yeah, yeah they go to the conference, so the uh, playoffs. So I think. Uh, Go, go have a chance there, I think. Uh, well, aye, which depending on Celtic's result against AZ Altmar during the week is an absolute shit show or where European football's at. Um, we'll be <laughs> coming to that next week. And just before we leave today, I should mention the cup draw. Sorry to rub salt into the wounds, Paul, but it hurts on the internet, as usual. Um, Celtic versus Rafe Rovers. See, do you want Miss Stewart in a trip to paradise just to rub salt mare into his wounds? Uh, Sevco playing Livingston again. In some reason, Dundee United versus Hibs, arguably the tie of the round, and Dundee versus St Johnston, which is also in a fuckwit derby, really, eh? So, uh, <laughs> well, they were singing that on a, on Thursday. The D's are in their bed, I'm like that's just that right, aye? <laughs> <laughs> No, it's. Uh, I actually, I, quite, I actually quite like Perth as a city. I just don't like anybody that's, that lives in it, you know. <laughs> but, uh, no. That's what happens, Lenny, when you fucking contact us, you become a regular. Okay, Gordon Strachan, consultant at Celtic, three months. Is this the worst appointment in football history since Hearts made Edward Malafieve manager? <laughs> Fuck, I'd have waited for my mind, to be honest. <laughs> I don't think it's quite as bad as that, but it's fucking bizarre. All round for uh, my opinion. I mean, the Strachan family seem to be colonising Celtic, um, because obviously he's a consultant, he's, he's laddie... Gavin is a first team something, I don't know what, iPad user, something like that. And his boy, uh, Craig, is U- European scout for Celtic, which sounds like the easiest fucking job in the world. Got to watch games in Europe every week and picking out who played well. I'll have <laughs> some of that. I mean, I remember reading, did, I don't know if you ever read the Secret Footballer books. And um, uh, I read one of them. And the guy was talking about how... Um, he knew a guy who was the head scout at Chelsea. And this was like after Abramovich money and stuff. It's like, how's that a job? <laughs> I need a right back. Right, well, he's the best in the world, so go for him, Ken. That's it. Anybody could fucking do that. 
But um, it's, it's interesting, right? I speak to I'm not gonna, I, I know a lot. I speak to a few people in the game who know Gordon Strachan and all that, right? And I've had a few dealings with him in, my, in the past myself. He's to oversee the recruitment, the academy, and the women's football, right? Now, first of all, he is a guy who continually talks about youth football. I didn't remember him introducing many into the Scotland team that he was manager, i.e. McGregor and McGinn. Let no, me I'll keep going. Secondly, recruitment always signs as midfielders all the time for Celtic. And lastly, women's football. Now, all I'm going to say is anybody who knows Gordon Strachan, the notion of him overseeing women's football is akin to Peter Sutcliffe overseeing a women's refuge. Right? The guy is openly misogynist towards women's football and dismisses it completely. Right? And anybody can take me to task on that because it's fucking true. It's just a backward step for Celtic. You know what I mean? Why do we need Gordon Strachan? Gordon Strachan's fantastic at sounding like a great pundit. I remember, I'll tell you a story, right? We had Dooney Coventry in 2006. And it was Richard Shaw's testimonial, right? And it was at the Rico Arena, right? So we had Dooney there and all the rest of it, neighbor, baby, usual shite, Kim. And we're standing at a fucking bus stop to go, to the, to go to the ground for the game. And this boy fucking walked past us and just two years ago, he's like, ah, he's got to the game. He said, I'll give you a lift. Coventry fan, obviously. I was like, I ain't bother, eh? So, of course, steaming drunk, never thought that you know, this boy could chop, chop our heads off or something like that, Kim. But we started going, Gordon Strachan had been the manager for Celtic for a year now and he was like, ah, so Jenkins Strachan is, ah, well, he's done the job and that kind of thing. He says, ah, he says, he says he's good for about two or three years. He says, then you want to kill him. And that's what happened at Coventry. He said he was brilliant at the start, and then by the end of it, folk were trying to go on the pitch to attack him. And that is basically what happened. We say, you know, he just grates on you, grates on you, grates on you. I lived in America for a period of his, uh, his Celtic career. And so I used to watch the Celtic press conferences week in, week out. And I think it was 13 weeks in a row he said the analogy. I'll give you the golfing analogy. Uh, Fatigue green, we're fine, it's just our putting. And I just thought, you're just cheating the fans, you know what I mean? Because the fans that ultimately are listening to this. You had a complete disdain for journalists, which is fine, except for the ones he used to deal with as a player. Jim Black, Dundee, that kind of thing. Um, and I just do not see where this is Celtic, about change, progression, etc., how this is a positive move. No, I don't understand it. Also, if these areas need revamped or need work, how is it three months going to be enough to, to make an impact on them? How can you be a recruitment in charge of recruitment for three months? Well, yeah, and the other thing about that is, if he's doing that, what's the chief executive doing? Aye. That's his job. Well, but also for the other angle as well, how the fuck are Dundee all right with this? Is their technical director and is a way to help a rival club? Mm. I don't understand what they get out of that or, or why they're allowing it. I mean, I know that the SFA have said um, they'll get a look at it and I don't think anything will come around. Celtic, of course, released a statement saying we're astonished at this, you know. But as far as I'm concerned, Strachan has got nothing whatsoever to do with the first team, right? Although... Mackay said that Dominic Mackay and then two years later Postacoglu said at a press conference yeah I'm going to sit down with Gordon next week <laughs> but well, even it's not the first team right if he's got ideas to improve women's football or youth strategy why is he not coming to his in club I don't understand I don't understand why Dundee would be alright with him going game to help the league foundations at a different club nah, like, I mean, it's fucking I mean, bizarre to me like if like, to, to be honest right, if Strachan actually is going to do this job and he's got to do it properly and all the rest of it, then if I was in about all these departments at Celtic, I'd be worried. You know what I mean? Because there's people that have been at the Celtic Academy for years, them. you know, Chris McCart running it, I mean, he's a fucking brick, you know, Colin Meldrum, I mean, fuck off, Ken. It, it, you know, you look through the, rest, the list of the coaches here, and you go, who are these people? You know, you want to bring in players that can make the Celtic first team, Fill up with people who have made the Celtic first team, you know, that can tell you how to do it. This is how I've done it. I've got experience here. No bluffers who done fuck all in football who think that producing players for other teams is somehow part of their job. It's not. So it is bizarre. 
Um, and if I, I would be happy with it if I was Dundee, but then I'm not. I'm Celtic and I'm not happy with it. So uh, I'm not expecting much, but I do think you know it's only a matter of time before his wife's made fucking head of recruitment and his fucking daughter's made fucking manager of the women's team. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I just, you know, he comes to the same area as us, and um, there's only one room for one fucking graduate Celtic, right? <laughs> I got rid of Derek Ryerton, and I'll get rid of him. Anyway, <laughs> I read an article during the week, have you ever read anything before, Paul? Or? No, I never. No, I never, right, yeah. And it was about retro gear, and it was basically a billion pound market now. Not... For football clubs, though, for the million companies you see on Facebook, which will probably be talking into our algorithms right now, and when you go on Facebook, whenever you'll see retro kits, yeah. classic cult kits, all that kind of thing. So the question I'm asking you is, why are clubs not all over this? I've no, I've not got a clue. To be perfectly honest, there's a, there's clearly an appetite, especially for younger fans, I think, mm -hmm. to like. Get the retro kits for the nineties and stuff, with the, the ones that were rocking the garish and mm. a bit different. And uh, and you can even see it now a bit in the new kits teams are bringing out. Seem to be going back to like a bit, a bit almost nineties with the patterns and stuff on the yeah. strips. But in terms of the retro kits, I don't know why clubs aren't. I don't know if it's maybe licensing or something. Like say Umbro made a kit, can you can they re replicate mm. it for free uh, without getting the money or whatever? I don't know. But they could do it with the badge or something, surely. Like well, fans of fans want this stuff. You know, yeah, no, including Safeco, who own fuck all. Surely, all the clubs own the badge and their image rights and all that kind of. Yeah, you think so? I, right? so I, I don't know. I think it's a tapping in terms of a money maker, but I've not seen any club really try and capture it. No. See the odd one. I mean, look, Celtics is pretty dreadful, right? For some reason, they brought out last year a top, uh, a black top with the green stripes, which was ninety three, ninety four. 92-93, like, a top synonymous with failure. Who the fuck, you know, you're supposed to be nostalgic for the good things. Um, we brought out Love City 86 top and was associated with that and Sporting Lisbon and that kind of for about two minutes and then that was it. You know, they didn't do anything. I saw West Ham a few years ago. They had fucking tops for everything. Came out, I mean, 85-86 season, which won nothing, but we almost won the league. You know, mm -hmm. things like that. I mean, I, 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 I didn't understand it. I didn't understand why clubs are not all over it. There's, there's plenty of money to be made. Does it threaten strips, you know, home strips? I mean, I'm at the point now where I don't know where you are. I don't, I can't see me buying a, a Celtic top again in terms of the new stuff because it's so fucking expensive. Well, I, for, I wouldn't be aware of it very often. I used to always like to have them and I very rarely wore them. Mm. Maybe a big game or something like that. But I can't really justify spending 60 quid on something that I'll never wear, you know what I mean? So occasionally I'll buy them if they're not doing in price or whatever, like towards the end of the season yeah, or anything like that. Aye. But a retro one, for that reason, is perfect because mm. then you can wear it all the time. It doesn't go out of fashion. It's... Well, I mean, Americans, let's take the New York Yankees, never change their top, right? Mm -hmm. So that, you know, the top the father wears is the same the son wears in generation. And I think that's great, right? I think you would encourage people to buy that and replace it and so on and so forth. But it's no, there's no foresight. It's just like you say, make a quick buck. Um, I cannot shake the feeling when I buy a home top or an away top of a current team, Celtic, well, Celtic, basically, um, that I'm being ripped off. Mm. I feel fucking like I need cleansed when I buy it. But um, also, I think pretty sure you get stung quite a bit more than most teams. Like ours is 50, which I think is too much. Pretty sure I've seen like Celtics was 65. That's right. Something like that. That's right. Which is fucking ridiculous for a top, you know what I mean? Really? And then they start bringing these player wear authentic oh. ones that are 120 quid and whatnot. It's no, just ripping people off. nonsense. And, you know, fair enough. If you want to buy that, fair enough. But uh, what I would say, it's like anything else. If you buy it, if you pay that price, they'll keep selling it. That price. Mm. You know, they've done the same with European travel. European travel used to be affordable, gone the official ways and the slightly unofficial ways and that kind of thing. And then Celtic basically fucking done a 180 and went, now it's 500 quid for a day trip. You know, and that's like, really, and I would not pay that, but it suits a certain sort of demographic to do that. They've got one day off and like that. That's not what it's all about. And I just think that, you know, nostalgia, 
reminds people of how good football used to be, you know what I mean, and all that sort of stuff. Um, my mate, I was talking to my mate. That's the thing with the retro kits, sorry, same thing with the retro kits as well. It takes you back to a probably a time that you went to games when you were younger and it was like football was all you ever done and all you cared about and mm. stuff as well. I, I, I genuinely, come back to the main point, is like, I don't understand why Cubs aren't tapping into that in this list. Well, my mate, I was talking to my mate, Dav, yesterday, huge uh, Man United fan, always has been, and uh, he was watching the game yesterday against uh, Leeds and uh, was wearing the Man United 1985 home top retro, obviously. Now, look at the success of Man United for 1990 onwards. Phenomenal, right? But he's not wearing that top. He's relating that to the top when he started watching Man United for the first time. And that brings him a lot of nostalgia. You know what I mean? That's what it's all about for me. Um, but, you know, I just think that, you know, everything's... You know, it's no... I know it's different in Celtic. You know, there's a corporate culture there that doesn't really exist at any other club in Scotland. But it's... Um, you're right. If you were to find the good two or three retro kits, that that's guys like you and me. That's what we'd buy, and that'd be it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And outside of replacing them, you probably never buy another top again. It'd probably just be something for fans to argue about, though. Why the fuck we're picking that strip and not this one? And you deserve a happy. <laughs> I mean, listen. The football clubs didn't make decisions on the basis of fans arguing. They would never make a decision about fucking anything. You know what I mean? Uh, okay. So uh, one thing you picked up this week, Paul, was Sam Cosgrove. He went to Birmingham for two million quid recently, and then has basically been loaned out. Um, and it's made me think about how many. How can I frame this? Are we have we got players that are good enough to go do to England now? Because I tell you something right now. I, I, I read into this. The first thing Birmingham said about him is he wasn't fat. He wasn't fat right. enough to play. You see that quite a lot of players going to and mm-hmm. the. the comment on the fitness or whatever or they're knowing the condition they should be and for me that's the one thing that we can surely get right you maybe can't buy the most technical players or whatever but you can get them fit and okay well, let, me ask, let me ask you then so okay of course it's doing the player and the desire and that but are the facilities that they have they've got doing there leaving us behind is it i mean all even guys that are working hard i'm not saying i don't even have any evidence at all to suggest sam Cosgrove doesn't pull his weight but the same thing happened to sean maloney when he went to wigan Roberto Martinez basically, Martinez basically said to him, you're no fit. And he was, he was injured off a call and he three weeks intense training before he even went near a first team. I, I don't know. Like, the top clubs have all got pretty good facilities up here. Whether they're using them right is a different mm. a different fish or whether they're getting them on the right the right programmes at the right age. Like, you've got to be doing it before you're fucking 22, you know what I mean? To, to, to actually make a, make a difference. But like in terms of players going down, like, it's such a mixed bag. You see guys going down you think he'll make a dent in the, the yeah. dinny and they're back up the road six months later playing for somebody else like you think of the guys that went doing like Cosgrove went doing uh, like Chris Cadden went doing for Motherwell didn't he and I think he was quite highly rated mm-hmm. and then failed at Oxford and he's now back up at Hibs uh, Jamie Walker left Hearts and I was convinced he'd go and do well doing there he barely got a kick for a wig and got owned to Peterborough and was back up the road within a year mm-hmm. like, I mean, you do get guys that go doing like McGinn and stuff and uh, that hit the ground running and Armstrong's done well and stuff, but I think McGinn, there McGinn, Robertson, Armstrong, established pedigrees, mm-hmm. you know, internationals, etc. I know Robertson went to Hull and all that, but I just think now, if English, see the thing is, if English clubs could, they would just raid Scotland if they wanted to, you know, if they felt there was value for money there. Um, Brentford paid three and a half, thirteen and a half million for Christopher Ayer, obviously. Mm-hmm. Christopher Ayer is an established international football player who's played Champions League and you know all that kind of thing. If that was the same equivalent in England for an English team, you'd be paying treble that. Aye. Oh, but the teams up here completely get stung on, on fees and stuff as well. Like, uh, who was who it went doing for... Two million pounds. Cosgrove was like what two million pounds. Like, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of Cosgrove, right? I thought it was a bit of one season wonder, really. But he scored a barrel of the goals, mm-hmm. so it's, it's two million pounds. Why is it only that? Scott McKenna, they done well to get the money for him, but I think there was a lot of humming and hawing whether they'd actually pay pay for him. As a guy that's an international player coming into his peak years, they seem to always want to undercut. I, I believe there was a lot of chat about Doig as well at Hibs. There was a lot of clubs interested. 
said, right, fine, what's the price? And Hibs said five million, and they've all balked it, and he's suddenly back in the Hibs team. Yeah. And you can argue whether you think Doig's worth five million pound, but he's a young, up and coming left back under twenty one international, played a lot of games for his age. And if you fancy him, they wouldn't think twice about paying that for an English team. No, I know, and obviously, you know, in the past, you know, when I was telling folk down there when Van Dyke was gone, like, why you're no buying this guy, it's unbelievable. And um, you know, Southampton going for twelve million. He goes down there and straight away Liverpool's like right, seventy five million people are like, holy shit, he's worth every penny. Now you're not trying to tell me that Virgil van Dijk improved that much as a player in a couple of years at Southampton. He was always that good, you know what I mean? Um, but it's a, it's a worry for me that when you see, and I'm, you know, it's, it's talking now championship where the facilities have got, the sports science, the nutritionists and all that kind of thing. I don't know how many Scotland, teams in Scotland can afford to actually employ that. We've heard to Jackie McNamara when he was on the show, he was paying all of that stuff that he's in pocket when he's at Partick Thistle. Mm-hmm. You know, is it going to hinder players? Because, you know, the bottom line is, I had no Gallagher saying something. And it fucking sort of sent a shiver down my spine. He was talking about the Chelsea Man City game, the Champions League final, right? The funny thing about it was, they get beat, obviously, Man City. He walks out the ground, it's furious, you know, rake it like we all would be. Who's the first person he bumped into? Damon Albon. <laughs> who supports Chelsea, you know, a wee bit, and was like, oh, I didn't worry about it, mate. You know, and he's just like, listen, fuck off, Ken, as anybody would. But what Noel Gallagher said was, he said, Doesn't he, he said when I thought about it, I said, I'm not that bored. He said, obviously, I went in. He said, but we're going to be in this fucking final for the next 10 years, or thereabouts. And that's the worry for me. Look at the spending power now. E your Man Cities and your Man United's Chelsea, Liverpool to a lesser extent. How I mean, English football dominated European football last season. You know, are we? This was a breeding ground for players to go down to England. Mm-hmm. Are we facing a time where that might not be the case anymore? Possibly, but. Because they'll go and buy, they want to buy the ready-made product rather than something they've got to invest in for two or three years, which is what I think a lot of the Scottish players will be. They're not quite ready for that step up all the time. Mm. Like even like Van Dyke, it's like he's not trusted till he has two two good yeah. seasons with Southampton. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but but the successive players that have been doing there in the last few years, like as you say, like Robertson and Gilmore's coming through. But then Gilmore was taken really early. You know, he never got the chance to uh, have any kind of career up here. Mm. I, I don't know, it's a tough one because there's even guys like Kenny McLean and that, that are playing in the Premiership so I think at the lower end there'll always be people willing to take a gamble The thing is, I mean, one thing that drives me mad on social media is that when you get one bad game in English Premier League and everybody's like, oh, best league in the world eh? <laughs> and they never come on and say look at the England team, look at the great young players look at the teams dominating Europe, you know what I mean? And, you know, whilst you, know, you can sit there and be bitter about it or you can say, well, how the fuck are they doing that and what can we do? To a lesser extent, but it's food for thought. Uh, so to um, finish the show, we thought we would do something that none of the Scottish media ever do, and that is scrutinise Safeco. Now, there's a couple of things with this. First of all, uh, one of the backroom staff revealed that three players had had COVID last year, and everybody kind of went, "Who the fuck was that then?" Because there was nobody that I was isolating or anything like that. Of course, that was hushed up. Safeco were the only team in, in the top flight who were sending their COVID results to Belfast. Everybody else was doing them in Scotland, um, which obviously raises possibilities. Um, you had John Dal Thomason talking about their financial problems. Why the fuck does it take John Dal Thomason to talk about the financial problems when the media in Scotland refuse to talk about their financial problems? Fuck knows his answer to that. Like cowardice movie mm-hmm. but clearly got issues financially and what he said was bang on that they need the money so the pressure's on them to make this competition and he, he didn't even want to elaborate on it because he, he thought it was that obvious he just says I think that's a good enough answer and then you could hear the incredul- incredulity of the journalists almost taken aback at him saying it one journalist I believe it was Robert Grieve of the Hun saying well what do you mean by that <laughs> what do you think I fucking mean you know what I mean? And that's the problem, is the climate is that we didn't talk about it, you know. That we, in Scotland, on the radio stations and the newspapers and all the football programmes, 
it's never mentioned. Mm-hmm. Only within everybody else, yes, you know, hurts. I mean, just compare, if you will, the scrutiny between Vladimir Romanov and David Murray. Because Romanov was a foreigner infiltrating the game. And he wasn't one of the lads. guys hush hush. If Vladimir Romanov had taken Rangers off of David Murray when he bought Hertz, do you think Vladimir Romanov would have been the same, had the same scrutiny when he was at Hertz? No. He also, I know for a fact that when he first came in, he tried to get the media on side. Like he had a sort of event. Like had drinks and food on that one for them, and they all basically took the piss. Like, oh, he's, he's trying, trying to buy them. But I think he was just try, genuinely trying, and he for that day basically thought, "Fuck them," aye. and that's why he's pulling them all monkey, like press monkeys and all that, and handing bananas to them aye, aye. <laughs> because he just just thought, "Well, if you're not going to even give me the chance, what's the point?" But that you're right. Somebody coming in for the outside isn't he trusted? Somebody that's been there for years and has uh, has the right connections gets to. Gets to get away with murder. Well, and I, I suppose the most sinister aspect this week is the compensation that's now been paid to Charles Green on the top of um, Duffin Phelps and an Ahmed. And of course, Craig White being still the only person in that whole thing to be banned for Scottish football. Also, the only person to be given not guilty in court. Mm. Now, as what the judges said was a malicious prosecution. In other words, they done it for reasons other than evidence, right? Mm-hmm. Now, obviously I have some history with this kind of thing. This is dangerous, right? Because basically what the judge is saying here is that police persecuted these people for their own ends. Now, Craig White continually said he could not believe the amount of Masonic influence at Ibrox when he came he could not believe the amount of police and justice and establishment people who said, you know, if you need anything, let me know. That kind of thing. And that's what went on here, is they basically trying to punish Charles Green, Imran Ahmed, Craig White earlier, Duffin Phelps for Rangers liquidation, right? And whilst everybody who's listening to this will know, probably, that the only one person to blame for that is David Murray. That's it. It's fucking dangerous in a country where your police force can actually go that far to a point where it's now going to cost the public purse about £100 million. Pounds. Aye, well, that, that's multiple payouts now as well, as you said, right? And they're all done before it actually gets to court. So there must be some ridiculous evidence that these guys have as well that they're not wanting to get out, which is why they're settling up. Bro, I'm just saying, like, Green and that, Green and Duffin, they must have something that, that, that I think the authorities aren't even out there that, that would make the, the malicious prosecution look even worse. Because why are they settling without even fighting it? Right, you know well, what I mean? Like, right, because they never had... I mean, listen, Craig White, Charles Green, Imran Ahmed, and I would include Duffin Phelps and all, they're all fucking chancers, right? Everybody fucking knows that. But they're chancers who play just on the right side of the law. They're not mm-hmm. that fucking stupid where they're going to go in and illegally do stuff. Morally, horrible. Legal, yes. And that's the bottom line. This has all come down to... I mean, I think it's really, really... And it's something I've unfortunately experienced a lot in my life about the, the power and the pull of the establishment when they want to go after you and put obstacles in front of you and all that kind of thing. That this should be national fucking news. The rogue elements, or is it rogue elements, I don't know, in the police force went after four peop- four or five people because they seen them as fucking their football team. Yeah. Okay, what I mean? I'd, I'd seen someday as well, I don't know if it's just maybe grasping at straws, but someday with a theory as well that it was done at a time, like the, the arrests and green stuff were done at a time where Ashley was hovering the wings, so it was almost like a, a warning to that this will, this will, this is what can happen if you fuck about with, with Rangers and, and take over the retail arm and stuff. And I don't know if that's clutch or not, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't be beyond me if it thought it was an intimidation. You mean a Ashley? Aye. You'll not give a fuck about that. And let's be clear here: Ashley still has his tentacles into fucking Sevco. Don't worry about that. Um, but even even if that's true, what you said, what the fuck are the police doing that for? No, no, completely, completely. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's something that Ibrox to me feels like a fucking house of cards, you know. Um, they've barely signed anybody, 
They've lost the Champions League money. They're trying everything they can to sell Morelos, and people just are no fucking interested. Um, and if it, once again, like the first time or the last time the, the club's liquidated, you know, on the back you remember that we had people like Murdo Fraser trying to bring the SNP into this thing, despite the fact, of course, that the SEFCO got the biggest loan from government during COVID times of any club, and yet you've got, you know, bottom feeders like Murdo Fraser saying, oh, I, the SNP hate us. But with the, a lot of the SNP probably do. You know what I mean? Because And the reason is because they're all fucking pricks like Murdo Fraser supporting <laughs> them, you know what I mean? Jesus, fuck. But it's something that... Um, We'll keep an eye on it if nobody else keeps an eye on it because um, this shit show can't go on forever. It really, really can't. And, uh, well, one thing I've said about their finances is that they always seem to find a way to dig out recently, like loans or whatever, but that can't go on forever. No, and, and Douglas, I mean, listen, Douglas Park's keeping them afloat. The same Douglas Park who's fucking could easily cost the SPFL the sponsorship deal by refusing to put any advertising up for since because it's a a competitor to his in company you know and now let's fucking be honest here whether that was Celtic Aberdeen Hertz fucking Dundee if any of the clubs were doing that that would be front and centre of the media every single day well, also they've said that they've got proof that they had a, a, pre, a pre-existing agreement mm. that uh, gets in the way why not show the proof then the SPFL have asked them because it doesn't exist. Um. <laughs> like they had the proof of the vote being ranked and the vote, all bollocks, you know what I mean? And you'll get the fucking truth here, no the fucking filtered bullshit you get in the Scottish media. Anyway. Well, as well, because Robertson said, Stuart Robertson says before the Champions League exit, they need to sell players, didn't they? Mm. And that was, I think they were counting on the Champions League revenue on top of that. Listen. That, so, wasn't, that wasn't a massive crisis. You can only see the fucking shit show at Barcelona. I mean, uh-huh. that, that's a whole show in itself because how on earth Barcelona are in that amount of debt with the success, the support and the players they've had is fucking beyond belief. But that's another story. And as you say, they need to sell players, fine, but you need, you need to find play people, people to actually buy them. Mm-hmm. Big story. Anyway, on that bombshell, the big news is hearts are out the cup. The even bigger news is Paul went out with his wife last night. Give us a 10-second summary. <laughs> I went for dinner and a couple of drinks and I was game half cup pretty early because I've not been out drinking properly for ages. What were you drinking? Uh, mostly lager. Mostly lager? What else? I, had a, I tried a rum when I was feeling a bit bagged up. Well, it sounds like it was fun and games in the O'Neill household last night, but no fun and games for these hearts bastards. <laughs> after that, and after the day, we can only leave you with one song for one guy who has lit up the world.